When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Engel. Die Dickens. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. This is a podcast exploring some wonderful overlooked songs from uh, different time periods. This year we are tackling 1979. It is round three in the editions of Deep Cuts, Lost and Found. I'm here with my uh, best friends. We uh, all went to Needham High School together a long time ago, and we've stayed buddies ever since. And we bring to you some of our favorite overlooked songs to share with you. It's Deep Cuts. So the way this works is we have uh, two picks from this particular year of 1979, and we're going to do a little bit of round, trying them all out and sharing them with each other. And at the end of the show, we uh, basically take a vote on what was our favorite discovery, and we cannot vote for our own songs. So hopefully you'll stay tuned for that. If you're interested in more, we're doing an additional round on our Patreon page, and you can tune in for that as well there. So again, welcome to Deep Cuts. For 1979, let's talk a little bit about the year. So, you know, we started out essentially with the... You know, 1977 was sort of our first year, and then we did 1978. Correct. And now 1979. Yeah. Let's talk first about what happened that year. Derek, you've got some history on this one, right? Oh, yeah. Take it away. 1979. Oh, bell bottoms were on the way out, and long lines at the gas pump were on the way in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, due to the Iranian revolution, there was an oil crisis, and we had these sort of gas line, long lines at the gas pump. A hostage crisis. Can you explain OPEC to us? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's for our, uh, our political podcast that we do on Thursday. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, like musically, it was a really big year for Walls. Uh, Michael Jackson released Off the Wall. Pink Floyd released The Wall. Nice. Musically, it was uh, My Sharona was at the top of the charts. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I remember walking into some skate park when my older brother was a much better skateboarder than I was and like you know an indoor skate park and hearing my Sharona playing and just feeling like it was the coolest thing I had ever seen heard in my life pretty cool yeah I don't know my it felt cool when I was 10 and you know we had Donna Summer we had uh, La Freak by Chic in the top 10 a YMCA, Ring My Bell. I mean, it was kind of an interesting, there was certainly still a lot of disco in the top 10, but as well as, you know, stuff like The Knack breaking through, stuff like Blondie's Heart of Glass coming close, being in the top 20. In terms of films, man, what a weird 
year. You know, it was just the the tone was just so all over the place. It was like Kramer and a Kramer, and then Rocky Two, same film, Apocalypse Now, and like The Jerk. Uh, <laughs> you know, Moonraker and the Muppet Movie. I mean, it was like <laughs> such a weird all over the place year, but some you know pretty great stuff in film. And which one of those won the Oscar? Kramer versus Kramer. I believe it would be Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> it wasn't Moonraker. Apocalypse. Yeah, Apocalypse Now. Uh, one best director, Francis Ford Coppola, out of the Walkman was released Ooh. that year. You know, which would later become very important to us. Just that, yeah, totally. You know, that idea of being able to walk around with music in your head. Uh, and that first one had those orange spongy headphones. Yes, yeah, were so cool. That's right. But I mean, I don't think any of us were getting anywhere near a Walkman. No, no. In this first year of release, they were like two hundred dollars or something like that. Right. And when I got my first one, I got one that was just a radio. Yeah, yeah. It was so lame. Oh, that's weak. That <laughs> it was is so lame. lame. Like my parents, like you got a Sony Walkman. I'm like, yeah, but it, there's no cassette. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's on the title, though. I'm like, That's okay, right. Thanks. But yeah, I don't know. Sid Vicious died of a heroin overdose that year. You know, in retrospect, uh, fairly racist disco demolition yeah. night at Comiskey Park right. in Chicago yeah. took place in 79 as well. Did the MLB actually sponsor disco demolition night? I mean, I think it was one of these, like, you know, just city specific promotions. They had just let some. Wacky DJ have at it. There was a shock jack in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, it was like yeah. local shock yeah, jack. Yeah, it was so weird that you had Disco Sucks yeah. going on. And yet, I don't know if you guys remember, but Saturday Night Fever, remember there was a PG-13 version? Yes. Mm. And we were still- It wasn't PG-13, it was PG. They didn't have PG-13 yet. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Correct. There, there was no PG-13. But we were still enthralled with Disco in 79 here in the, yeah. the suburbs. So um, I remember packing into the Needham Cinema to watch totally watch that. Um, I'm sure there were some fire code violations because I think I sat <laughs> in the aisle. Yeah. It was so crowded. Although I will say, as much as I think of the Saturday Night Fever famous record, I think just as much about Sesame Street Fever with Grover doing <laughs> the... Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the white disco uh, suit, as much as yeah. that. I mean, that was a big that was a big record nice. for me. I think ten, ten years old, old was too. prime Doctor Demento to listening too. Oh yeah, it definitely was. I was yeah. definitely listening to Doctor Demento and like taping it on my boombox and yep. playing it. Uh, hey guys, want to hear Fish Heads <laughs> at the recess? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Fish Heads, Pencil Neck Geek. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was a big one that year for me, probably. Yeah. Derek, is there a chance you'll be choosing Grover as one of your deep cuts tonight from the Sesame Street fever? It's not. No, not going to be one of my deep cuts. Speaking yeah. of, let's let's kick into our deep cuts. So, yes, sir. Derek, do you want to take us off tonight? I will kick it off. A non-Muppet choice, please. A non-Muppet choice. All right. All right. So I'm going to come out real hot. I'm going to come out hot here. Okay. There we go. So this, the first line to this song is on the gravestone of John Peel. Hmm. So John Peel championed this band. It was the only record that he, you know, or the first time he played it on his radio show and he played it a second time. He was like, I have to hear that again. He loved this band. It was a band called The Undertones. They're from uh, Derry, Northern Ireland. Just kids who were living in a pretty troubled time in Northern Ireland at the time and just made just a perfect pop punk record. And John Peel, who was... At the time, the most important DJ in the United Kingdom and, you know, in a ways was the most important DJ to the bands that were 
that are the most important to us. And he loved this band so much, he insisted that the song be played at his funeral. You know, they were the band became friends of his, but it's, despite being this sort of aggressive punk song, it's also really pretty and kind of sweet. It's got hand claps, <laughs> and he says, all right. Derek will not identify the artist or the song. Well, this is a band, <laughs> this is The Undertones. Yes. And the song is Teenage Kicks. It's Deep Cuts, round three. satisfying you know it reminds me like what like, punk rock is so perfect because it is so simple and if you get all the ingredients right it's just amazing well done Derek. yeah good choice uh, i like that band nice it's a great story it's also wrapped up in this tiny record store owner in belfast named terry hooley who kind of adopted the punk scene around the city during a time when the you know the sectarian violence was everywhere and helped these guys record this record and put it out and uh, there's a really great movie about that whole story called Good Vibrations, which I definitely recommend. It's a really fun, you know, uh, snapshot of this time and and Belfast and punk rock. Nice. Is Derry right outside Belfast? I don't know how far. I mean, they're both Northern Ireland. I don't know how far mm-hmm. Derry is from Belfast. Well, the direction- one of our interns will look that up. Yeah, somebody will look that up. Um, <laughs> I went with probably the biggest album of that year, um, just because I think it was just so monumental and so important, which is Michael Jackson's Off the Wall record. And just did a little bit of digging on it. And there was a song that I've always really loved. There's actually a remix that I DJ out quite a bit by a guy named Todd Terrier. 
And this is the original I'm about to play. It's called I Can't Help It. It's Michael Jackson. Again, this is a record that's been a ton of press about. A lot of people know about it. It's obviously a record that's really important, but I do feel Who's like- Who's this artist again? What's that? Uh, Michael, Michael Jackson, <laughs> I believe his name. Um, don't don't know the guy. Yeah, and I think I think I played Prince last week, so maybe this is kind of like icons that we uh -huh. lost prematurely. Yeah, um, sure. But I wanted to play it for you. So this is I Can't Help It by Michael Jackson from the Quincy Jones produced Off the Wall record. I think this is such a special record. It really holds up on every level, both songwriting, performance, um, uh, musicianship, uh, and producing. So here it is, Michael Jackson, I Can't Help It. It's Deep Cuts, Lost Found, Round 3, 1979 is the year. Like counts as a deep cut. I mean, do you guys know this song really well, or is this one of the ones? Cause it's not one of the big hits from the record. I actually don't. I actually have to say, this is a deep cut for me. Okay. I mean, I recognize it a little bit, and 
I don't know. I, I love this record, but I also wonder whether this record shouldn't be Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones. You know, like how right. much how much credit do you have to give Ooh. Quincy Jones for this record? I can't. I think kind of a lot. That was a hot take. That is a hot take. I tell, I, you know, he said it. My my all time. You know, I I mean, Michael Jackson's Michael Jackson, but true. You know, for me, my favorite song is is Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Like I I every time that song plays, it just totally slays me, and I can't stop moving. Everything else of his. Catalog, I could frankly take it or leave it. Oh, get out of here. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Derek for the hot takes tonight. I don't care that much about it. Get out of here. I understand it. I understand why he's is who he is, but that's the one song I couldn't do without. I believe the king of pop, Derek. All right. Hmm. <laughs> he's got like a dozen songs, maybe two dozen songs that are just he had, indispensable. He had a couple, he had a couple big right. hits, as All I right. recall. Yeah, he did. He had some. He was really uh, up on the charts. I think that Thriller record was kind of big. <laughs> yeah, that did do well. <laughs> Look, as somebody who's DJed a lot of weddings over the years, and almost always has to kind of like you know deal with requests. Yeah, like Michael Jackson's music holds up so well. Like it's just shocking how good those songs sound again thirty years later, uh, which is kind of one of the joys of it. And this is just one of those songs that people don't know as much, and and hopefully. Uh, this is a way of getting a chance to go back to that record. It really is a very special record. So cheers to Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones and everybody else who was part of it. It's a really, it's a magnificent album. Here, here. All right, Billy Federko. Yeah, but I'm not buying that Quincy Jones co, you know, <laughs> co-star bullshit. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, don't think I mean, record, yeah, great producer's that, a great producer, but... Th- them's I mean, fighting words. I don't think this record could have been what it was without Quincy Jones, for sure. <sighs> okay. All right, uh-huh. fair enough. Billy, <laughs> would you like to navigate us forward? Yeah, I think we'll save this for the bonus round when you two go mano a mano. Greco-Roman style. I like that like, Chris is defending uh, defending Quincy, uh, defending Michael, pardon me, because I think you're That's absolutely right. right. Somebody needs to defend Michael. Yeah. Someone's got to. <laughs> Someone's got to. God. Michael is a rare uh, genius in the sense that, like, talk about somebody who, and again, we don't have to get into the whole history of him. People know plenty about it, but the tragic part is how driven he was through his family and how much hard work they all did and the ambitions of Joe Jackson and, and, and how he kind of made his, his whole family into like this incredible band, but just the unique, astonishing power of Michael and the level of the work ethic that Michael had and the ability to him to just do for years and years and years and years, really, really great records from when he was very young until, you know, much later and all the pressure that was on him. It's an incredible American story. And anyway, that's my yeah. For a child rapist, he's great. There you go. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Alleged. First of all. Yeah. Um, since this is going out uh, on the air, things just got real. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, I oh, didn't say it. I mean, what are we gonna just? We're not gonna ignore that. I mean, Jesus Christ. That that was Derek who said that. For any libel attorneys. <laughs> Those are the those are not the views of the show, but uh, <laughs> the individual. Bill, would you like to navigate us into safer waters? <laughs> uh, why? Because I'm the only lawyer here. Yes, uh, exactly. I'll say something very politic. Yes. You're um, the only lawyer. How come I had to bring up allegedly? <laughs> I, I was kind of enjoying where it was going. Yeah, all the all the way to the courtroom. Exactly. <laughs> Let me get my gloves on. Oh my goodness! Good times. All right. All right. You you want me to jump in? Yes, okay, please. I'll do it. I'll do <laughs> please, it. Please, please. Uh, Derek mentioned John Peel. Well, John Peel, I believe, discovered this band as well from uh, Swindon. Um, it's XDC, and um, this is from their third record, Drums and Wires. The song is uh, "When You're Near Me, I Have Difficulty." 
I was never a big fan of the first two XDC albums. I really think they hit their stride with this third one. I think they write just in, incredible pop songs, and they're they're clever and they're quirky. And I think I first heard them probably it was MTV. They played the uh, Making Plans for Nigel video, and I remember the lyric, you know, the world is football shaped, and that just stuck in my head. So uh, this song just makes me feel good, makes me want to dance. Uh, I guess like Michael Jackson would. Uh, this is XDC. When you're near me, I have difficulty. This is like one of those albums that I go back to this album all the time when I want to feel good. I love this Mm -hmm. album so much. And if you think about all the incredible songs, Making Plans for Nigel is on this album. Helicopter is on this album. Complicated Game is on this album. It is just so good. Complicated Game, which was used 
incredibly on the Halt and Catch Fire uh, series. Yeah. Uh, it really was. really was. I love that. Thank you. That was that one of my my favorite moments as a music supervisor was getting a chance to not only pitch that song. Halt and Catch Fire for all our listeners. Check it out for the music alone. But no, it's actually a very good series. Um, but the music on it's awesome. Yeah, one of my, my favorite professional experiences was was working on that show. And and that that moment is is one of the high points just because I think we got into the character Joe and just kind of into his world. And this record, I just love this record so much. Like Life Begins at the Hop is on here. It's just Ten feet tall. What's that? Ten feet tall is Ten on here. Um, Outside World, another great song. It's just like one of those albums that reminds you. And also, I think if you think of all the influences, because there's obviously like sort of a ska and reggae thing, but it's its own beast. Like it doesn't feel like a ripoff of anything. It feels like, you know, Colin Moulding and Alan Andy Partridge and the whole band just sort of channeled all their favorite sounds and made something really special. So I'm so happy you chose this record. I love this record so much. It's for you, Tommy. Great pick. Chris, where would you like to take us? I am going to take us back to the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, mm. a little south of the Mason-Dixon line, to Athens, Georgia, nice. where uh, the B-52s put out their first album in 1979. And you guys know I love this band. Uh, I think they're often dismissed as a, just a kitschy party band, but I think they're amazing, both you know musically and uh, I think that they are tremendous fun. And they really sort of tap into my lizard brain. And I don't, I'm not a big dancer, but this, if there's one band that can get me uh, up and shaking my tail feather, it's, it's uh, Fred Schneider and company. And, and speaking of which, I should point out that this album obviously had big hits like Rock Lobster and Dances Mess Around and Planet Claire. The song I'm going to choose is Lava. And it's Peak Schneider, who, <laughs> who actually rhymes Mauna Loa with Krakatoa. Oh, I love it. And uh, later in the song, uh, name checks Pompeii and Herculaneum. And you know how much Fred Schneider loves his history. Loves his history, loves his geography. We've talked yeah. about before. It's true. Talked before about Mesopotamia yep. and his, his, his sort of weirdly afactual take on history. <laughs> um, the other thing I loved about this song is Cindy Wilson is so great in it. And... Um, if if you hadn't guessed, lava is a uh, a metaphor for <laughs> you know uh, bubbling up one's love bubbling up in a molten fashion, and, and it's, so to speak, and it's presented in the sledgehammer subtle way that only the B fifty twos can do. So without further ado, I give you lava from the B fifty twos. Deep cuts, lost and found, round three, nineteen seventy nine.
you imagine seeing these guys live back in the day? Ooh, it's so hot in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, for us in some ways, this was like, you know, so much of their music was like the soundtrack to all the bar and bat mitzvahs we went to when we were right. kids. Totally. Right. But, uh, you know, I don't think you can underestimate how truly weird these guys were, like, <laughs> yeah. when they first came out. Like, I mean, these guys were awesomely weird. And I also think Ricky Ricky Wilson doesn't really get the credit totally, that he deserves totally. for his guitar style. I mean, he, he did some weird, like, he played only five strings and he had some crazy open tuning. Like, he just had this really funky, you know, way that he played that uh, is so cool. Uh, yeah. it's, and so in the pocket. They're really cool. On YouTube, there's a, a bunch of great videos. They're a little grainy, but black and white videos of them, like before uh, you're talking about. the first album came out and uh, playing live in clubs. And it, they're so, so great. And, um, you know, I have to imagine at that time just seeing these two singers who have the weirdest harmonies. They're beautiful, but they're like weirdly, they're like sublime. They're not yeah. like regular, like officially beautiful, you know, harmonies. And um, with these huge beehive hairdos and Fred Schneider coming in with the jukebox money. You know, it's just really, it's, uh, it's it must have been so crazy to see them live in 1979. I loved reading uh, Chris Francis' book and he talked a little bit about kind of having a, a friendship, a budding friendship with this band and wanting to work with them. And I think they actually produced one of the records and there's, or I think David Byrne ended up uh, producing one of the records. Yeah. And it just reminds you of just how special it must have been to discover them. And you just think about like, you know, Athens, Georgia was a college town. They were just sort of like one of the wonderful, weird creations that came out of that. So gotta love the B-52s. Great pick. Fantastic pick. Uh, Derek, where would you like to take us? So, you know, for fans of this band, this is not going to be a deep cut, but I think that the band Gang of Four does not really get the kind of credit or play that I think they're deserved as an incredibly influential post-punk band. I think they're influence can't be underestimated and that, you know, you kind of hear their influence really everywhere. And, you know, just between Andy Gill's guitar playing and John King's vocals, I mean, they're just really doing something that was so inventive at the time. You know, they're just, they were so influenced by kind of reggae and funk, but it was just so sharp and angular at the same time and kind of chaotic at the same time, but always kind of solid and sometimes like really danceable. This song just makes me want to do just the most silly like 80s, like, you know, in the background of like Valley Girl movie dance. <laughs> um, and it's a super kind of catchy song, but a reminder of the kind of bad times that they were living in you know, in London can create great art. And I like them. They're unrepentantly political and just a really important band. And this is the song Damaged Goods from the album Entertainment. This is the Gang of Four. Deep cuts. Thinking that I love you 
That's fun. I love that song. I am not surprised that Derek chose that, considering his love of guitars. Andy Gill is so great. Oh my god, so satisfying. That was fun. It is. It's good. Good stuff. But you know, I mean, like bands like what, like Franz Ferdinand would disappear, like you know. Uh, Marty McFly's siblings, you know, uh, in that photograph, <laughs> uh, Gang of Four disappeared, and Franz Ferdinand would just fade into non-existence. Gone. Um, but yeah, they're fascinating. I, I saw, I got to see them a few years ago at like this tiny, weird little club in Somerville. I mean, it was pretty much Gang of One. I think it was <laughs> just, just, uh, just Andy. Gang is a strong word. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was Andy Gill and like some young, young folks, but it was still. Pretty exciting. I think I think the rest of the Gang of Four people weren't happy about it, but he's he's actually I think some people suspect that Andy Gill's passed fairly recently and that he was possibly a very early loss to COVID nineteen and they just didn't even know that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's possible too. He may be another another casualty COVID nineteen loss. Yeah. But lots of great stuff from them over the years. Can't go wrong with those guys. Well, I was, for our listeners who couldn't see it, Derek dancing is something else. I think that's yes. a, is that is that a Patreon only? Uh, I believe perk? that's a Patreon only perk. Yes. You get to see Derek. That's considered premium content. Yeah. Yes. And, exactly. and Nash's Fred Schneider impersonation is worth is worth the extra money. Oh, too. we give that away for free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you can give it away for free. Oh. <laughs> well, after my debacle with the slits a couple weeks ago, um, are I'm, you going to choose something from '77? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm trying. Trying really hard now to, to proof my stuff, which was which means that the Bush Tetras and the track Too Many Creeps, which I believe was 1979, I cannot find anything except for 1980 releases. So I'm going to take that off the list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Careful, oh, careful. Yeah. Well, and in, in full disclosure, Teenage Kicks did come out as a single in '78, but on the album in '70. Oh, Jesus. Jeez. Well, on an album in '79. Yeah, that's uh, fine. I, I, I will let that slide. That passes. Who is fact checking this show, Fred Schneider? I know, apparently. <laughs> so no historical inaccuracies or something it's else. Disqualified. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was going to play a Nigerian twin sister band. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course I was. Sounds about but right. But instead, I'm going to play a song instead um, that is a song that I only know because I love the sample. I heard this in a hip hop track. I thought the song sounded amazing. And I went and looked it up, and there's almost no information about it. The artist is named Tira Fox. The song is called Can You Handle It? But it's spelled Hendel, H-A-N-D-E-L. And it's just an incredibly cool song, and um, I hope you dig it. And it's going to basically be my pick for 1979 for Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 3. Tira Fox, Can You Handle It?
kind of a crazy jazz fusion funk track that yeah. if that if this is from 1979 are s- there are no tape loops and that's a real drummer working his ass off yes. yeah that is crazy that Impressive. sounds like super super ahead of its time totally and i looked around on it and i kept on i found no information about tira fox i couldn't find any information on the track except that it confirmed that, that it was a 1979 track on discog so I'm a little bit at a loss, but it was like such a great song. I was like, you know what? This just seems like one of those weird lost little masterpieces with a sort of a weird jazzy fusion thing, but it is kind of an amazing track. So anyway, certainly worth for the fact checkers to do some digging on it. And I welcome (laughs) any feedback of correcting me. I would have to say. That was terrific. That was really great. It's a neat track. That was Mariana Trench deep though. (laughs) Yeah, that was super deep. That seems to be Tom's role. Right. Right. Bigamists and really, really deep, (laughs) non-alternative, maybe world music cuts. Or deep funk. There you go. I mean, we went from Michael Jackson to then the the depths of the ocean to find that one. That, that was impressive. Well, wow. I, I hope you I hope you do have a bigamist lined up for the bonus track. <laughs> I, I I probably do. I probably okay. do. There's always a fail the track. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, uh, Billy, would you like to take us to a more safe <laughs> harbor? Well, I don't know if it's any safer because um, I'm going to go with Adam and the Ants oh. uh, from from his first record. Uh, Dirk wears white socks, and uh, I don't know. You can find a more unique character than than adam himself uh, guy had a crazy uh style and ethos he was like a pirate but who hung out at versailles but then he threw in a dash of like native american <laughs> inspiration for some spice um this like i said shout out to eric Ogerholm, i think as- yeah i was gonna give a shout out to eric eric for sure was uh, one of the pioneers of uh at the adam and a- the ants uh fan club i believe eric even had a tattoo. All in early. I had a tattoo in high school. In high school. Yeah. Early tattoo. He was possibly the first person I knew. Yeah. You know, we all knew to get a tattoo in high school. Right. So not only was he a pirate and a fan of the Native Americans and the style of Louis the Fourteenth, but uh, he also loved insects. <laughs> just okay. A, just a, a wacky dude. And I believe uh, Adams uh, inspired the forehead braid, which was... Um, Something Eric tried out and I tried out as well, although it interfered with my tennis game. Didn't go well. Um, so I, I quickly, quickly got over that. <laughs> but it kept flapping against my eye. It wasn't good for my, uh, my serving. Anyhow, um, this is Car Trouble from Adam and the Ants' first record, Dirk Wears White Socks.
were never said that uh, you don't eat anything after an ice cream. <laughs> I don't know where he's going with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever drone, driven in a light blue car? <laughs> <laughs> I get the impression in general that his fanciful lyrics were kind of always just kind of like slapped together and kind of sent out without a whole lot of proofreading. Um. Well, by the time he got to Kings of the Wild Frontier, there was a there was a certain aesthetic that. He well, really I can't, I can't remember. It was some some book I was reading about this time where it was kind of great. It, you know, at, right after this record, Malcolm McLaren, who kind of put this stole together, his band. stole his whole band and created what Bow Wow Wow. Yep, mm-hmm. they wanted and, him to join Bow Wow Wow, and he said no. Yeah, they ousted Adamant. Adamant grabbed the guitarist from Sushi Peroni. and Banshees, Mark Peroni, there, and like you know, came out with a number one record and pretty much. Gave the big F you to Malcolm <laughs> McLaren, which I'm always okay with. But yeah, no, I, I kind of gained, gained a lot more respect from uh, for Adam after learning that story. That was yeah. a really interesting. Mm-hmm. Malcolm McLaren, little, if you, little tidbit. If you need to be a douchebag, he's kind of always available to take care of that, that <laughs> yeah, role. Yeah, he's an awesome douchebag. <laughs> douchebag? I'm reminded of that Saturday Night Live skit, remember? Lord and Lady Douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I guess you get to close out the show tonight. What would you like to do that with? Okay, I will do that. All right. So I uh, am going to go with an artist who put out not one, but two great albums in 1979. The first with his band Two Boy Army called Replicas. Um, but the song I chose is off his album, solo album, The Pleasure Principle. And this is Gary Newman. The song is called Me, but it's M period, E period. And to me, I remember, you know, the first time I heard Cars off this album and, you know, that ended up being a a big hit. But just thinking like this was something that felt so different, like futuristic and new and weird. And maybe it doesn't sound that so much that way now. But super cool, too. So cool. Oh, but super cool. And you know, synthesizers would really become so so used in the in the coming years. You know, after this, especially like in the next three or four years. And you listen to some of the early like Depeche Mode records or OMD records, and the synthesizers to me sound very thin, but his sound very very thick. 
almost like Moog-like. And apparently he played his synthesizers through guitar pedals. And I just love his Android voice. And I feel like if, if he didn't come up with the name Pleasure Principle, they could have just called this Blade Runner the album. Um, so anyway, this is Gary Newman, me, from the Pleasure Principle. All right. Closing out Deep Cuts, Lost and Found, Round 3, 1979, Gary Newman, me.
it's such a nice reminder that like being weird and unusual gets rewarded sometimes because I don't think anyone sounded like Gary Newman back then. And I can't imagine a lot of A&R people thought, oh, that sounds like a hit. <laughs> and then Cars becomes the huge hit. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. yeah massive. Yeah. I think there's also, you know, kind of an aspect of somebody playing with a tool that they don't quite completely understand in a way yeah. that like makes it sound better than maybe someone who was more familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Totally. He's, you know, I mean, the story is that he walked into some recording studio and the previous band or whatever had this Moog set up and he was just like, you know, they were, Two Way Elmer was a punk band with guitars and he came up and pressed a key on this Moog and was like, what is that? <laughs> and like, let's do something with this, you know? So it was like a new technology and new sound to them that they just used in a way that not everybody would. This is this is punk rock to me. Like this is part of the expression of what punk did, which was sort of reimagining music in a simple, pure, maybe primitive form that's really direct. And I think that that's sort of what the previous sound, you know, all the sort of like, you know, the the the, the jam bands and the whole sort of like, you know, um I don't know. I think that's what the, what the reaction was against, like these sort of bloated records. Mm-hmm. And I, I, to me, it just it's so exciting still now. This is like a five-minute song, and it just holds up all the way through so beautifully. What a great pick. Fantastic way to close it Tom, I'm, I, I'm sure you already know this, but uh, maybe our listeners don't. Uh, Basement Jacks sample this in Where's Your Head At? Yep. Which is just a phenomenal... They, they speed it up a tiny... I didn't know they, that. they speed it up a tiny bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's awesome. It's awesome. You know, just the... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. With your head, with your head. <laughs> I won't do the whole thing. We'll save that for the Patreon people. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll do a whole Basement Jacks thing. Um, you guys ever seen the Alan Partridge um, show? You know, it's, uh, what's yeah. his name? Steve Coogan. Uh, you ever see when he dances to music for chameleons? Yeah. By, oh, by Gary Newman. amazing. <laughs> with, the, with the fretless bass. Bass, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great scene. Oh, well, that, I love that song. Let's, let's, let's do our, our vote on sort of our, our favorite Ooh. surprise. I know it's a tough one. This is a, an it interesting is. year. It's always a tough one. Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't All know. right. So remind oh. everyone who played what. Thomas. Okay. Yeah. All right. So going through, um, Derek opened us up with Teenage Kicks by The Undertones. I came in with Michael Jackson's I Can't Help It from the Off the Wall record. You mean Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones? <laughs> 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 I can't help. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Billy followed it up with XTC's When You're Near Me, I Have Difficulty from their phenomenal album, Drums and Wires. You came through, Chris, with the B-52's Lava from their self-titled album. Derek came in with Gang of Four, Damaged Goods from Entertainment with an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> Billy came through with Adam and the Ants, Car Trouble by Dirk Wears White Socks. And then Chris uh, closed it out with M.E. by Gary Newman from the stunning album. Again, the second album he released in one year, which is just breathtaking. The Pleasure Principle is the name of the album. And I think I forgot one of mine, which was the uh, Tira Fox track, Can You Handle It?, which was somewhere in that mix as well. And there you have it. So all right, are we ready to kind of drop it in Say there? when. Yeah, there was a lot. Uh, I'm vacillating. I know. Oh, this man. is a hard Don't one. Don't vacillate. Go hard. with your gut. So hard. Oh, my God. If I, if I could spell Tira Fox, I might choose it. But <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Okay. Once ready? with a Y. Set, go. go. Send. All right, so it looks like it looks like Me took oh, it. Looks like Nashawati right. was a big big winner tonight. I almost I, my first my first was me. I was I was vacillating between both both Nash picks. Mm-hmm. Is either me or Lava? Yes, they're both really 
fun to hear. So Chris, Chris takes the crown, which means he will be opening up the after show. It's the first time you've gotten three votes for one person, not not three of the same song, but uh... smells like victory. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just uh, on behalf of Derek Brain, uh, Bill Federico, Chris Nashawadi, myself, Thomas Golovich, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are the Deep Cut Crew. Are we really the Deep Cut? Are we crew? Deep Cut Crew? Do we need to get <laughs> yeah. jackets? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go easy on <laughs> yeah. the Deep Cut Crew. My bad. All right, we'll lose that. So, uh, <laughs> boy, uh, social media, Billy, where can you find us? Check me out on Twitter, Deep Cuts Lost and Found. We also have Patreon, Substack, you name it. We're there. Chris, tell us about your uh, Twitter presence. I'm at, uh, at Chris Nashawadi on Twitter if you want to check that out. Uh, and Derek, you and I are available if you wander the halls of Somerville or uh, on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <Right>. exactly. <laughs> We're on social media. Social media is ruining our culture, so I'm staying out. <laughs> yeah, I, you can find me walking my dog in the Silver Lake Reservoir. Oh, come on, Super Music, Super Music. Oh yeah. All right. So if you, there wanna, you go. if you want to check out my work, go to supermusicvision.com. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. It's been a really fun uh, show. And 1979 was the year. This is round three. We'll be coming back to you with round four. Those who are interested in a bonus round, check out the Patreon page. We'll have a bonus round as well. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks so much for listening.